Hey, good morning, you guys. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here at Mariner's Mission Life. Love the fact that you have found us today. And I, I, I love what, what Dustin was talking about. I mean, we do everything we can to uh, make sure that only smart people come to our church. Because look at you guys. You're amazing. Look at you. got through all of these barriers, escalators down, staircases don't exist, and you somehow found your way here. So we always want to say thank you, and we love the fact that you've made it here today. It's absolutely fantastic. Hey, by the way, just so you know, if you're new, um, I'm, I'm not um, just alone. I have my beautiful wife, Joy, right here as well. And uh, she's right up here in the front. And uh, we've been married for almost 14 years, super excited about our anniversary coming up here in several weeks. And so I, I give you that disclaimer as I'm about to share this story from my past. But uh, right after I graduated college, I, I thought I had met the one. All right. So you see why I had to make sure you guys understand. OK. And uh, we had been dating for a few months. This is this other gal. And it had gotten really serious really fast. And in fact, uh, she had said these words that I'd never heard before. She had said, I love you. And that kind of made me think, oh my gosh, do I love her? I, I think I love you too. And so in the midst of this, I'd placed my heart literally in her hands at that particular point. And as we both graduated college, she went off for the summer to go to Hawaii with her best friend because her best friend, um, actually her dad, had a house out there. And so they were all living out there, staying out there, and she was going to go visit there and be there over the summer. And so she said, why don't you come out to Hawaii and visit? I'm like, oh my, absolutely. So I fly out there, and one day she's working, and I walk by the room in which she's sleeping in, and I notice something on her bed. It's a diary. Oh, yeah. It's a diary right there. Oh, yeah, you guys, I can already see you're, you're, you're sweating for me, Okay. And so I look at that thing, and it, there were some things going on in our relationship that made me a little bit insecure. And so I said, you know, I'll just walk by it real quick. So I walk by it. Oh, it happens to be open. Interesting. And uh, I just glance down, and I read a page, and I read another page. And I'm horrified because I realize in this moment all the I love you's and the I love you back's evaporate. She still had feelings for her ex-boyfriend. And I am, thank you for laughing. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Appreciate that. Lee Azell, making fun of me. Okay, so I am devastated. I'm horrified. And literally, I'm completely shocked. And needless to say, things didn't work out. But I didn't see that coming. Have you ever had an experience in your life where you too didn't see it coming? I'm sure you have. I think we all have. In fact, I think there's a number of examples. Maybe some of us, you were like me, where you got caught up in a relationship, and maybe you yourself actually saw some signs, but you kind of ignored some of those signs. And then one day, you're literally sitting down with that person, and they say, you know what? It's not me. It's you. It's actually me. It's not you. And actually, in fact, I think it's time to break up. And we didn't see it coming. There's other times in which we're trying to get out of debt, we're working really hard, we're, we're trying to pay things off, and suddenly, out of nowhere, we get this medical bill we weren't aware of, and suddenly we're overwhelmed. Oh my goodness, this is going to set me back even farther from getting out of debt, and we ultimately think, man, I didn't see this coming. How did I not see this coming? Or maybe you, you've had a friendship that you've been investing in, 
and you've been pouring yourself into that relationship and that friendship, and, and you guys have been hanging out together and doing really well, and for whatever reason, one day, somehow, no more texts, no more coffee hangouts, and no more friendship. What happened? I didn't see that coming. There are all kinds of things that we encounter in life where we don't see it coming. Life is filled with these moments. And they're not all bad, right? There's some that are really good, like, wow, you were pregnant. This is incredible, right? That, for some of us, are like, no, no, that's not necessarily that good. But, but, but most of the time, that's an incredible thing. I didn't see that coming. But oftentimes, when we don't see that coming, those kind of things can actually be harmful or damaging. And in some cases, maybe we should have seen them coming in the first place. So I think about my example with my love lost back then. You know what? I had seen some signs that things weren't all that they should be. I knew that she was still in contact with this guy, and I thought, no, no, it's okay. She's saying things. She's doing things. It's okay. And so what I think happened for me is I was caught up in the emotion of wanting this relationship to work out so badly that I actually ignored some of the signs on purpose. The reality is blind spots are a part of life. And what we do with those blind spots can determine whether we anticipate and prepare for them, or we ignore them, or are unaware of them, and put ourselves in a position to be exposed to risk that we don't necessarily need to be exposed to. I mean, how many of us have been driving along the freeway and we realize, oh, we didn't see that person in the lane right next to us as we're changing lanes, and we get this friendly hand signal back at us, you know? I mean, it's like, oh, I, I didn't quite see them because they were in my blind spot. So what is a blind spot? Well, a blind spot, it's right there in your notes. It's an area where a person's view is obstructed. It's an area in which a person lacks understanding or impartiality. And so we're kicking off this new series called Blind Spots. We want to take a look at these areas in our life that we tend to not understand or we ignore or we think are going to go away, but they actually cause us risk and danger and harm, and not only damage us, but they actually damage the people around us as well. We're going to take a look over the next several weeks about what this looks like. Now, I know some of us in here, you're thinking, okay, I'm here, I'm just checking Jesus out, I'm checking the church out, I'm just, I, you know what, here, you know what, I'm very self-aware, okay? I, I know that I don't really have blind spots, you guys, okay? And if that's what you feel, I understand, I get that. Just ask the person next to you if, they, if you have a blind spot. I think they could probably help you out. Because one of the things I realize is, I, when, we, when my wife and I get ready to go out on a date, I think, okay, I'm going to impress my wife. I'm going to get dressed up. I'm going to look good. And so I put this outfit on, and all of a sudden my wife tells me, hey, wait, wait, you're going in that? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and I am, I'm going to be, you know, killing it. And she's like, wow, you actually have a fashion blind spot right now. I mean, you are seriously in need of my help. And she makes it very clear. And so one of the things we're going to realize is this, is we need outside help to see our blind spots. Because oftentimes we think, no, no, we got this. I got this. This is great. But in reality, no, no, you don't have this. In fact, you're missing something, and it's really important that you see it clearly for what it is. 
And so oftentimes, here's the deal. Our blind spots are really about how we see ourselves, how we see other people, and how we even see God. And so the Apostle Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. And if you're new to the Bible, that's all right. It's right there in your bullets and it's on the screen. But the Apostle Peter was writing to a community of believers that were scattered all over the place. And he was writing to them to help them recognize that I know you have blind spots. But I want you to understand some things about who you really are what you should be thinking about others and who God really is. Take a look at this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, God's possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, without God's help, we're limited in our view and our perspective of what reality really is. God actually is calling us to become his people and to live in light of a greater understanding of the world in which we live. You know, my youngest, Phoebe, is, uh, she's in that stage right now where she is afraid of the dark. And uh, we have night lights on. We pray together before bedtime. We talk about all kinds of things, and she is very confident as she lays her head down and goes to bed knowing she's loved, there's nothing to be afraid of, it's okay, and then what happens? She wakes up in the middle of the night, and all of her confidence evaporates. She's fearful, she's overwhelmed, she sees things, she doesn't think she sees things, and she runs where? Into our room, and she wakes me up, and then she becomes really afraid because I'm angry. I'm just kidding. Okay, and I'm like, you should be afraid. No, I'm just kidding. But we all know, you know what? She doesn't need to be afraid of the dark. There's nothing that's going to hurt her. She's going to be okay, but she's still learning to trust in what her mother and her father say about what's true and what's not true. She's still on the journey of actually trusting in the fact by her own experience and by what her mom and dad says of what reality actually is. And in the meantime, she's reacting in fear. She's groping for help. She's, she's waking everybody up, and it's chaos in our house as a result of it. And see, the problem with our blind spots is it is a result of our limited perspective and view of reality. And it ultimately can cause us to act foolishly. And so if you're taking notes, what we see and what God wants us to avoid is this. Blind spots expose us to foolish decisions. Blind spots expose us to foolish decisions. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of our common blind spots. There's just some ones that are just really common to all of us. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be things in which you're like, I don't really want to confront this. I don't want to talk about this. I don't struggle with this. I get it. But when we actively take a look at the areas in our life that we don't want to, the Bible calls that wise. It calls, calls it wisdom. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at how you and I can spot a blind spot. How do you spot a blind spot? We're going to look at the source of our blind spots, and then we're going to take an example of how to deal with one that is very common that I've experienced personally as well. Now, 
my hope is this, is that you and I leave here a little bit more free, a little more wise than when we first came in, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey with God. Maybe you're just checking Jesus out. You're just exploring things. That's okay. Maybe today is the day that you start to test this Jesus out for yourself. For others of us, we've been following Jesus for some time. We're all on this journey, aren't we? To continue to be more free of the things that tend to keep us stuck in our walk with God and others. So, Jesus first gives us an example of what might actually be a blind spot right here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 and following. This is going to help us identify how we can actually spot a blind spot in our own life, and it's this. Here's this passage, very famous passage, and it's starting at verse 3. Jesus is basically confronting somebody on their desire to judge somebody else. And so the context of this passage is this. When we think of the word judge, you know, many of us have heard, hey, don't judge someone or you yourself will be judged. The idea that we tend to think is this, is that we're never allowed to go ahead and make a judgment call on somebody else's behavior. And that's not necessarily the case. Because the word judge there in the original language, it, it actually can be translated condemn or discern. And in this case, he's talking about condemning somebody, okay? So obviously, Jesus wants us to have discernment to live properly. Of course, he wants wisdom for us. But what he's saying here is when you judge somebody, when you condemn them, here's the problem. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, There's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrites. First take the beam of wood out of your eye and you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. See, here's the point that I want to make for us. We tend to be most frustrated with other people in areas that tend to hit a little close to home. Right? So when we see somebody that we think is acting crazy, impatient with something. We're like, how can you be so impatient as we proclaim that impatiently? It's like, wait a minute, there's something in us that actually is being reflected in them and I'm reacting against it. And oftentimes we're reacting in a way that is disproportionate to whatever that thing or that person does. And so what that does is it it does this. It starts to hint at the fact that, wait a minute, there's something else going on in my heart that might need to be addressed here as I clearly see it in other kinds of people. See, we tend to see the flaws in other people before we actually take the time to examine our own. And so one indication of an area that we might have a blind spot is where we tend to overreact, where we tend to overemphasize something in somebody else. That actually might be an indication that something else is going on in our heart. I remember a number of months ago, I was meeting with a group of other leaders, and I was feeling a little bit insecure. And I remember one of the leaders asked me a very simple, very easy question, like, a, just says, like Aaron, how are you? And I was feeling a little insecure as I kind of looked at the pedigree of the people around me, the achievements, and I started to look around at everybody else, and I kind of was like, fine, I'm fine, 
How are you? I, I, I reacted a little bit too quickly. My, my, my voice kind of went up a little higher than normal, kind of like Adam Levine kind of high. And, and it was like I, I, there was just this insecurity that overflowed out of me. Clearly, there is a blind spot there. Clearly, there's something deeper going on in my heart that caused me to react in the midst of this group of leaders. And, and, and I know that oftentimes... God tells me, he says, Aaron, you don't, need to, you don't need to perform. You don't need to become something for me to actually love you. To, to say that you're significant or you're worth. But in that moment, I was caught off guard. I didn't see it coming. I acted in a way that was crazy and that overreacted and a little bit embarrassing. And maybe, just maybe, the area in your life that you tend to be sensitive about the area in your life that you want to ignore, the area in your life that you feel like you overreact a little bit might be an area where you have a blind spot. So what happens when we leave that blind spot unchecked? Well, here's what happens. I know for me, as I look back at that particular situation in my life, you know what happens is I start to go on a cycle a cycle of insecurity, and I start to ride this, this roller coaster of self-esteem based upon who's around me and what they've done and how are my accomplishments compared to theirs and, oh, oh, I got you on this one. Oh, you got me on that one. And I'm just doing this game. And you know what happens? It's exhausting. It's stressful. It's a burden. Where are you overreacting? Where in your life are you feeling that kind of anxiety and that fear or that stress? And maybe some of us in here might even say, you know what? I don't overreact. I actually underreact. In fact, what I've done is I've put on armor. I have built up walls because I don't want anything to penetrate it because I've been hurt or I've been misplacing my sense of worth or identity in something else and so I'm going to protect myself. Maybe that's you. Looking back at 1 Peter 2.9, notice that so many of our blind spots actually come out of not trusting or believing in what God has done and who he actually says we are. Look at what Peter says again. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. These are powerful words that actually originated in the Old Testament about God's people. That God, if you read through the Bible, is on a journey of restoring his broken and fallen creation. And he has brought about a new community of people that belong to him so that more and more people in the world would know of his overwhelming kindness and his love through them. And so he wants his people to be free. He wants his people not to be burdened with all these kind of anxieties and blind spots that hold them back from pouring out his love through them into a broken and fallen world. And yet, when those blind spots take root, it keeps us from living like people who've come out of darkness. How many of you guys have seen the latest Lion King? Anybody? A couple of you? Some of you are like, I don't want to admit it, but yeah, I did. It was great. I loved it. I'm just kidding. 
as a parent, you know, that's my excuse. But uh, just saw it a couple days ago. Fantastic, fantastic. And, and one part, and some of you who have seen this, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, here's, here's kind of the, the big picture storyline is basically Simba is a lion who is destined to become king. But he runs away from his destiny and his calling because he has been falsely accused and he believes that he was the cause of his father's death. So he runs away. And he tries to kind of compartmentalize his life and kind of live over here and ignore this other stuff. And finally one day he gets a wake-up call and he goes to this place where he hears or encounters a vision of his father and you hear James Earl Jones' beautiful voice in the clouds say to him, Simba, remember who you are. Yeah, you like that? Was that good? No, that was terrible. That was awful. That was embarrassing. I'm so sorry, okay? Remember who you are. Remember your true identity. Remember where I've taken you out of to live in light of the truth of my incredible saving love for you. Will you remember who you are? I can help you with those blind spots because I want you to be more free. Goes on in verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You're accepted. You have a purpose. You belong. You are worthy. You are significant. Verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles. Now, why does he say that? Strangers and exiles. What does that mean? That means that I want you to approach the way you live your life as if this earth isn't, not, isn't your true home. Your true home is in the presence of your heavenly Father. Your true home is in the, uh, the abundance of his amazing love. And you are going to be tempted to live like this is your home. And you're going to be tempted to live according to the values and the systems and where worth and significance comes from based upon the world. But I want you to live as strangers. I want you to live as exiles. This is a journey and it's temporary. It's for a season. I want you to be wise in how you live your life. Because there are blind spots everywhere when we start to live by the world's ways. Notice he says this. I want you to abstain from sinful desires that wage a war against your soul. Well, that's interesting. Now notice this, desires are not bad. Sometimes, especially church people think desiring somehow is a bad thing. Desires aren't bad. Desires are God-given desires. The problem is sinful desires. The problem is that when our desires get corrupted by living according to the ways of the world, that's where the desires get dangerous. Why? Because ultimately, Feeding those appetites of those sinful desires will wage war against your soul. The reason why we feel anxious, the reason why we feel stressed, the reason why we feel unrest is that there are things that we can do or believe that actually hurt 
our soul. And God is saying, I want you to be free of that. I don't want you to have to wage war like that. I want you to live in light of what I have done for you. And so this gets to the question of what are the source of our blind spots? Where does this come from? Why does this even happen? And here's, if you're taking notes, you can write this out in the margin. It's this. Is the source of our blind spots tend to be the fact that we mistake our desires for the longings of our soul. We mistake our desires for the longings of our soul. See, without God's intervention, without getting outside help, we're going to seek to fulfill our desires in the wrong way. We just naturally do it. And so we assume, okay, if I just take control to satisfy my desire in my way, that will go ahead and bring me the resolution, the peace, the satisfaction I'm ultimately longing for. But without God's intervention, we won't see the difference. There's a key difference because our desires can be corrupted. And so when we look at the Bible, we start to realize that throughout the Bible, God is constantly trying to remind us these symptoms that we see play out in our life are actually pointing to a deeper problem. And it's usually trying to satisfy our desires outside of God. Here's an example. Now, one of the things I love about our church is, is we are passionate about community. You, why are we called Mission Life anyway? Because we believe that the best possible life is not because we have the best coffee, although it's good. It's not that we're meeting in a mall, although that's fun. It's the fact that we're encountering and expressing the life, the best possible life found in God through Jesus Christ. That is a life mission worth sharing. And so we love getting people connected in biblical community to start to understand who God is and what does that mean for me and what does that mean for you and what does that mean for us and what we can do in the world. And so we've got all these groups that are meeting. And if you're not in one, I want to encourage you, hop into a group. But one of our groups, one of the women's groups that's meeting, and they are doing so great. I'm so proud of them. They're meeting Tuesday nights, and they're doing through a study on friendship. And you're thinking, why do, why do we do a study on friendship? I mean, can't, don't we just naturally have friends? I mean, what's the deal? Here's the problem. Is we have a world's definition of what friendship looks like, and we've all experienced aspects of that. And then there's a bigger, beautiful picture of what friendship can really be in light of who God is. And so what happens is we realize, man, some of my friendships get messed up and, and I lose friendships. Or I've been told I'm not a really great friend. And I'm like, why is it? I feel like I'm a great friend. And we start to kind of go on this journey. And one of the things that the women are learning in this particular study is so beautiful and so powerful is that ultimately, what's the real issue there? The issue is a desire, a God-given desire for acceptance and being known. We live in a world where we're afraid to be known because we're afraid we won't be accepted. And when we understand biblical friendship, we understand that, wait a minute, the only person who has the capacity to truly know us and accept us in spite of our brokenness and our flaws and everything is God. He is the one who ultimately is the one who can satisfy our deepest longings and needs for that. And what happens is when we don't have God, we place those expectations on other friends. 
You need to answer every longing and need for me. Ooh, yikes. And suddenly that friendship becomes really unhealthy and disastrous and people get disappointed and then they, they stop having those kind of friendships and they repeat the cycle over and over. Do you see the brokenness? It's a blind spot, but what's the source? There's a good thing down there, way down deep. A longing to be known and accepted. God is the one who knows us, the innermost parts of our being, our brokenness, our flaws, and he says, I love you anyway. I'm going to give you my son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf so that all of the sin and brokenness that you have in your life can be placed upon him. He's going to rise from the dead. He's going to demonstrate his victory and power over sin and death. He's going to restore relationship with us so you can be accepted and known and have friendship with me forever. Man, when you understand that, what does that make you to other people? You're free. You're free. I'm not pandering to this. I'm not trying to please this. I do it out of service and love of God. And suddenly you become the most attractive friend around. Why? Because you're reflecting Jesus. Do you see how this works? It's so powerful. So we develop a blind spot to our real need by satisfying it with the wrong solution. And so here's the point, if you're taking notes. Jesus exposes our blind spots for wise decisions. Jesus exposes our blind spots for wise decisions. Jesus is the one who's saying, come to me. I can help you with that. I don't want you to resist. I know it's hard. I know you're afraid, but I don't want you to be. I want you to come to me because I'm the one who's got the vantage point. I'm the one who has the perspective. I'm the one who loves you and cares about you and wants what's best for you to live more free. And so where will you look? Where are you going to turn as you encounter blind spots in your life? Think about it for a moment. Where is that place where you're overreacting right now? Where are you most sensitive? Where do you have walls up? Maybe, just maybe, Jesus this morning wants to expose that blind spot and allow you the freedom to make wise decisions as a result of his amazing love for you. He loves you so much. And so let's look at a quick example of what this can look like. So a common area that most of us struggle with, I would say, let's be honest, all of us struggle with this at some point, is envy. Envy is a real problem. And so how does this work if we're struggling with envy in our life? Let's look at James chapter 3, verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? In other words, that's a rhetorical question. Well, by his good conduct, he, will, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. In other words, what you believe or where you're getting your source of wisdom from should practically express itself in day-to-day life. And that word gentleness, you guys, we often look at it and we think, oh man, that's such a weak word. Jesus was gentle. And, and gentleness is strength under control. You know, it's very easy when we get cut off on the freeway to wave kindly to the person next to us. Amen? Right? No. No, we want to... Do another gesture, okay? So it's very easy. When somebody hurts us, what do we want to do? Revenge, right? Slander, gossip. It's easy. It's natural. That's not wisdom. Wisdom says, I'm going to take God's truth about who I am and who he is and who this person is, and I'm going to live in light of that. I'm going to actually respond in light of that 
which requires what? Strength under control. I'm going to believe that, even though right now, oh, I'm warring right now with my heart. I want to react this way, the natural way, the easy way. And no, not with Jesus. And so this is what James is saying here. In other words, I want you to consider what wisdom you are believing. Verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So what is envy? Envy is basically saying, I want what you have. I am envious of that. I'm envious. I want that. Selfish ambition. I, I want to become the greatest. And it's all about me. Now here's what's crazy, you guys. What's behind those things? Those are selfish desires. What's behind those things? A God-given longing. What's the God-given longing under envy? A desire for significance and worth. What's selfish ambition? Ambition's not bad. In fact, Jesus says, hey, you want to be great? I'll tell you how to be great. It's to serve. Ambition's not bad. Selfish ambition is bad. Do you see that? And so when we're envious or we have selfish ambition, we are pursuing things and trying to satisfy things the way the world says, yeah, that's how you satisfy it. That's right. But here's the problem. How many, how many envious and, and people with selfish ambition are generous? How many of those people are, are compassionate? I'd say none. None. We cannot become all that God has called us to be when we leave our blind spots unchecked. You know, me as a pastor, there are times, I, I honestly, I want you to know this just to be real. I just want to be a little bit better looking than the pastor down the street. Just a little bit. Just a little bit better looking, okay? There are times that I want my kid to score the winning goal. Yeah, I do. There are times that uh, I, I really want multiple offers on a book deal. I, I'll be honest with you. I would love that. That would be amazing. And it's not for good reasons, guys, okay? There, there are times I want that. I struggle with that. I have a longing in those moments for significance and worth in the wrong things. I need outside help. I need Jesus. You do too. Verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. There's a lot in there, but here's the point. When we seek wisdom from above, Jesus, what He says about you, what He has done for you, it will mark you, as you apply that, with peace. You will be a person with peace with other people. You will be a person of peace with God and with others in a way that is so counter to the world. People will be looking at you going, how, how can you be so patient? 
how are you so filled with joy? How? There's chaos. There, how? How? Because you have peace. I think all of us want a little bit more peace in our life. Where is it for you? Where do you need to be reminded of who you really are? I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And I cannot think of a better way of remembering who we really are than by taking communion. Because communion is all about remembering what Jesus has done for you and for me to become a part of his family forever. And I fully get it. Some in here, we're still checking Jesus out. I get that. That's okay. But communion for believers is really beautiful because we're reminded of what Jesus has done. And so what is communion? Communion is this. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body given for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the sign of my new covenant in my blood. Take this in remembrance of me. This is a sign to remember what I've done. I've shed my blood for you to forgive you of your sin. This is a new covenant. This is a new way that God is, is making right a relationship with a broken and fallen world for those who place their faith in Jesus. It's beautiful and it's powerful. And Jared earlier reminded me, it's not just to remember for remembering's sake. It's actually so that we could live in light of that present reality right now. You want to be free. I want to be free. I want to live with more wisdom. You do too. Let's remember what Jesus has done for us. Whatever the blind spot in that we're struggling with today. Let me pray for us and we'll take communion. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love, your truth, your power, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for making us a part of your family. Thank you for the significance and, and worth that you pour out on us. And for many of us in here, I, I don't know where we're at spiritually, but you, God, see very clearly the blind spots that every single person in this room is struggling with. And I pray that all of us would be able to invite you to speak to us about what that is. And that as we identify it, that we would call it out, we would confess it before you, and that, that we would believe the truth about what you've done for us through Jesus and say, I'm not going to believe that lie anymore. I'm going to believe the truth of who I really am in Christ and find a little bit more freedom as we remember. In Jesus' name.